Here on the WZWA network, I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Fury. A joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, right here, right now, I get to speak to the voice of the National Wrestling Alliance, ladies and gentlemen. This is the suave. This is the smart. This is the one and only Mr. Joe Galley. How are you, sir? I don't think anyone's ever introduced me as suave before, so I will absolutely say thank you for that, but it is an absolute pleasure not only to talk to you, but talk to all the great fans that we have down under. Australia is, you know, there's so much history with the NWA and with wrestling as a whole in Australia, and I don't think a lot of people in the United States understand that and reflect on that, but there's an enormous amount of talent right now in Australia, and it's really becoming a hotbed for professional wrestling, and that's why I'm so happy to talk to you and talk to them. Yes, excellent, Joe. It's uh, yeah. I I have to say, uh, on our YouTube channel, we review uh, pretty much all the major wrestling pay per views that take place, and we've been doing the reviews of uh, NWA since I believe uh, the seventy third anniversary show. So we've been doing every single one. We've been so it's a good place uh, to start. A yes, good place bro. To start. <laughs> very enthralled with uh, how things are going with the company, but um, one thing that stood out to me was you and I think you have great poise you are you're, you're a throwback but also you're, you're, you're refreshing as well as a commentator in pro wrestling I don't get annoyed by anything that you say most of the time I get annoyed by other commentators in pro wrestling so very excited to talk to you learn about you and your journey can you talk to my girlfriend because she gets annoyed <laughs> sometimes maybe you could convince her otherwise I'd appreciate it <laughs> Well, I'll do my best, Joe. Um, but first question, Joe, as usual, when you were a young man, how did you become a fan of professional wrestling? Well, you know, I'm pushing 35 years old, so I kind of grew up in that sweet spot of the Attitude Era, you know, and, the, you know, growing up, I had other friends in high school that were, you know, really into pro wrestling too, uh, some of which actually uh, still work in the sport of professional wrestling. So it's kind of cool that we've all kind of came up and we've all managed to make careers out of it as well. Um, but, you know, we started doing the stupid stuff that you're not supposed to do, backyard wrestling, hitting each other with cookie sheets, it, dumb stuff, dumb stuff you shouldn't do, kids. It'll shorten your life. It'll, it, it, the repercussions will come later. Um, and so, you know, just as a fan, you know, we're buying the WWE pay-per-views and, you know, we're, it's, this is like ECW invasion sort of stuff. And, and like, so that was really my introduction into the sport of professional wrestling. And it didn't come till later, you know, once I actually started working in the sport of professional wrestling, that you start looking at a lot of the, the older stuff and the stuff that we really hold on to in the NWA as our history, our legacy and our tradition. And so it really just kind of continued to grow and to snowball into something that's really become a wonderful career for me. Uh, but, you know, it started just like most people start. I mean, you start with what the stuff that's that's free and easy to get to. And at the time, you know, as a young child, that was, you know, the debut of SmackDown 
on the channel, I think was UPN at the time in the States, uh, which is no longer exists, but I think that's where it started. And so that was my first introduction as a child because it was free. We didn't have cable because I grew up, you know, we didn't, we didn't have those things. I wasn't able to watch Raw, even though some of my friends in, in elementary school, you know, at nine, 10, 11 years old, they talk about it. But as soon as SmackDown came on, now I'm sitting there and I'm watching re wrestling and I'm all like up close to the TV screen like this. And my dad's falling asleep on the couch. So, you know, and that's not for the, not liking the wrestling. I think just being a contractor and, you know, raising kids and stuff kind of just wore him out. And by the time SmackDown came on at 8 p.m. our time, you know, that was a little rough for him. But uh, that's where you start to get into it. You know, you start to get into it and you start to get enthralled in the characters. And I'm buying, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin T-shirts and all that kind of stuff and having arguments with friends about like, oh, I think Triple H is great. No, I think Triple H sucks. You know, all that sort of stuff. And <laughs> you just fall in love with it. And I, I think it's great. And I think there's just so many people out there that, that share, especially in my age, that share that experience. And I think it's always great when I have an opportunity to talk to people who saw wrestling in the territory days especially you know i'm living in, in san antonio texas and it was really a hotbed for wrestling in the 60s 70s and the 80s uh the von erics were coming through here and so when i get opportunities you know because i'll work some of the independent shows out here in san antonio and i'll talk with some people who are in their 50s and their 60s and their 70s and they love wrestling and they'll tell me about you know going to the freeman coliseum where aew recently ran but seeing dusty Rhodes there seeing rick flair there so it's really cool and that's that was sort of not to diverge i kind of went all over the place but that was sort of my introduction to the sport of professional wrestling right that's so cool because uh i, I just turned 35 in january so i think we Mazel kinda... top. <laughs> thank you well i think we became fans pretty much around the same time uh I do remember when SmackDown first started, we couldn't get it in Australia for a, about a year. So that was very frustrating for me. But we did get Raw, um, but it was always on like a two, three-week delay after it took place. Uh, so that's what it was like for an Australian wrestling fan back then. Um, but Did it get I, ruined for you? Because that's pre-social media. So I'm not thinking that you're going to – you're not. there's no Twitter, there's no Facebook. So does that – did anything ever get spoiled? No, because we didn't really know that there were websites that told you all these things. I don't think oh. I had the internet until about 2001 when I went to high school. So, um, yeah, none of that had spoiled anything for me yet. Uh, it would be the worst today. You couldn't do it today. <laughs> Even WWE's just spoil As soon as the match is over, here's the finish on Twitter, <laughs> on YouTube. It's like, oh, you can't just, I can't have a, a nice evening out and come back and, and, and enjoy it without it being completely ruined. Yeah, and that's the same for me with the pay-per-views today because uh, they'll air at maybe 7 in the morning. I, mean, I don't feel like getting up at 7 in the morning. I'd like to wait till a bit later on so maybe I can have a little beer while I'm watching the show uh, so I can avoid social media for that amount of you time. You don't start but... drinking at 7 in the morning? Come on. <laughs> step up your drinking game. Well, on that note, I'm, I'm going to have a beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Joe, another thing I was very interested in hearing about was you uh, becoming interested in, in, in TV news and being a reporter. And I know that this is your uh, former career. Now you're full-time in the NWA. Um, tell me a little bit about how you became interested in that aspect of television. You know, it's actually kind of interesting. I've always... You know, I grew up in Los Angeles, so I was always surrounded by the 
the entertainment as a business. I, you know, there were people that I knew that worked at entertainment and, you know, as whether they were Foley artists or actors or anything like that. And so I was constantly kind of in that ecosystem and going into college, I actually, when I first enrolled in college, I was trying to get a, a degree in screenwriting, which would have done nothing for anybody who's gotten one before. But that was my passion. I was I was really into writing scripts and screenplays. And um, but I was also working full time. And the college that I went to, you know, it being in Los Angeles, the the entertainment programs there to get degrees and things like that was hyper aggressive. And you couldn't do full time job working at a drugstore and also go and successfully get a degree in that department. So I ended up having to just change majors just because I wanted to graduate. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but in uh, here in the States, going to college is quite expensive. And so you kind of want to like, I got to get this over with because I can't afford to do extra semesters and I can't kick this down the road. And so in the same building was broadcast journalism. And I was like, all right, well, I'll, this is still storytelling. This is still writing. Uh, I'll just get my degree in this and I'll see wherever the world takes me. So at the time, you know, I'm also working in the sport of professional wrestling as a wrestler and I was just getting my feet wet as my former broadcast colleague Jim Cornette would say I was an outlaw mud show wrestler uh, so like this is in front of nobody at VFW halls I'm thankful there's very limited footage of photos or video of it because it was bad you know I was green I was green I, and, and and I don't think I was particularly good at the the work rate of it so but that being said, I was still going to college and um, I didn't actually think that I was going to get a job in television news. I wasn't honestly taking that as seriously as a lot of other people are. You know, we have this passion in professional wrestling and there's a lot of people who have that same level of passion for journalism and hats off to those people. And they're dedicated and they want to be there and they'll fight to get that job, whether that's with a, a, a local paper or CNN or, or Fox News or any of the big outlets that are out there, they're passionate about it, that's going to be their drive. Uh, mine wasn't like that. And I didn't actually think that it was going to happen. But during my, my final year, my final semester, part of what you had to do in order to graduate from the broadcast side was you had to make a demo reel. And what a demo reel is for you folks that don't know, is just like a series of different shots of you doing stand-ups, reporters, and usually when you're in college, you're faking the whole thing anyways. You might have done some small reporting on like, oh, they want to vote to, there's a school boards voting to raise tuition or something like that. But a lot of it's just, you're trying to, you're looking at what you see in news and you're just trying to emulate that, try to fit it in. But I was ridiculous. And so my demo reel started with me in a wrestling ring and I was, Joe Galley is reporting live from the Fit Pit, which is where I was training. And then Brawlin' Bo Cooper, who's 330 pounds of tattooed <laughs> punk rocker, yeah. picks me up and gives me a Death Valley driver. And that was the start <laughs> of my demo reel. And I thought it was just funny. Like, it was just kind of, because everybody that I went to college with, and my professors knew that I was doing the pro wrestling stuff. And so I, I, I handed that in. And then my professor actually said, hey, we got in contact with this guy who's a, a consultant and he's trying to help some TV stations change the way that they're doing their, their morning shows. And there's a TV station in Toledo, Ohio, that's looking for a fun morning show guy to come out and do, you know, live reports from like, it's national pancake day or whatever, whatever, you know, stuff like that. 
fluffy stuff, stuff you'd see on like the Today Show. But before then, I don't know if you guys have the Today Show. I'm sure you have a version of it. But, you know, lighthearted news, just conversations and stuff. You know, you're not sitting at a desk. You're usually the anchors are sitting at couches, that sort of thing. And so I was like, all right. And so I just put the DVD in a, in a resume, which had nothing on it, and <laughs> sent it. Uh, I actually sent like this is this is how it dates you. I actually had to send a physical DVD to the news director. This is like before you know. Here's my YouTube link, um, <laughs> but they loved it. They loved it because they thought this was exactly what they were looking for. And so they were like, "If you want to come out and make twenty four thousand dollars a year <laughs> doing morning news," and I said, "You know what? I'm not go anywhere. Let's try it." And I said, "My thought was the worst thing that could happen is if, I, if I'm terrible at it." If this is a, a mistake, I'll just come back to LA and we'll figure it out. So I packed up my car. I was in a little tiny Ford Focus. My whole life was in this Ford Focus and I just drove, never got flown out to the station, never went to Ohio before, didn't know anything about it. So kind of just signed the paperwork, sight unseen, drove on out. Um, and it ended up being a, a really good place to start my, my career. And, and things really changed quickly uh, in, in news you'll have one consultant who come in and say, we want to do things this way. And this is how you're going to drive more viewers. And like with many businesses, you want to see sort of an immediate return, which doesn't really work that way in television. Kind of, you have to grow your audience over time, but you've got advertisers that are, you're trying to attract. And so you need to have those numbers. So I went in and I was hired on to do all these fun morning show live shots. And Within just a couple months, we got another consultant to come in and say, no, this is a terrible idea. We're doing traditional news. Go out there and do it. And I was like, OK, so I really had to kind of put my my reporter pants on. And like now, all of a sudden, instead of me, you know, I'm out with the circus that's coming this weekend and I'm interviewing a clown and I'm riding a camel. Now I'm out in front of the, you know, apartment fire or the shooting and all these other sort of things. Um, which I wasn't anticipating to do. And then I just like, all right, well, now I'm here and this is what I'm doing and, I'm, and it's fine. And then I, you kind of get a taste for, there's an adrenaline part of covering news, you know, especially if you're heading the stuff that's breaking. And if you're the morning reporter, it usually is. Like that's when, you know, you start your day, usually about like 3.30 in the morning, you're up and you've got to be live for our station. We started at 4.26 in the morning. 426 because the other station started at 430 so we wanted to get those people who were already up at 415 to know that they could watch us first it was such a dumb freaking idea um but i had to be ready to be live at something and so usually that was the shooting that happened at 1 a.m or maybe there's a big city council vote that's happening later in the day and then you just start compiling it and, and telling the story and honestly, with morning news compared to like what you would see in, you know, your later broadcasts and local news is you're really trying to just fill time. Most people who get up in the morning and they have the news on while they're getting ready, they're not really watching it. They're just kind of listening to it while you make breakfast, get your kids ready, that sort of thing. Um, so it's it's a, it's a different dynamic and what you need to present and how much you need to really have you know, a, a complete story. Cause a lot of times you're like, we're just getting here. This is the bare bones. We'll get you more later. If you go to work today, you could talk about it. Like this is, I saw, oh, I saw that this morning, you know, it's like that sort of thing. So like, that was sort of my first step into broadcast news. And then I just kind of, you know, I, I was wrestling on weekends uh, and I was doing morning news. And at a time I was doing morning news 
also working security at Rite Aid because it didn't pay very well. <laughs> and then also wrestling. So I was trying to do all these different things at once. And then um, I decided I didn't want to stay with that station in Toledo because it was bad. Um, and I wasn't going to make any more money. And so I ended up taking another job in uh, the Poconos of Pennsylvania, which is the hill areas, you know, north of Philadelphia, very rural ski country. And I hated it there. It just... <laughs> I just couldn't, this, this Cali boy just couldn't do it. Yeah. So I ended up quitting that. And then I got a great gig in Palm Springs, which is only about an hour and a half away from Los Angeles. So I was kind of able to come home, work for a small station, which would happen to be the number one station in the area. And that really helped because when you're working for the number one station, you're making money, they could pay you a little more and it gives you a little bit more freedom to live your life and stuff. And then at that point, that's when I was able to transition into the broadcast side of professional wrestling. I hadn't really wrestled a whole lot at this point. I was kind of trying to figure out where I needed to be. And I knew I wasn't going to be, you know, the next Stone Cold Steve Austin or anything like that, or even anything remotely close to that. Uh, and so, but at the time, my best friend who I started wrestling training with, uh, his name's Brandon Taylor, who currently works for their New Japan Pro Wrestling in their Los Angeles office. But he was the uh, Hollywood Heritage Champion for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And for you folks out there in Australia, you all get Fight TV, right? Yeah. So it's on Fight TV. If you care to watch it, they're still making programming there. It's Dave Marquez production. And uh, he was the champ at the time. And he was talking to me. And Todd Kennelly, who was doing their play-by-play, -play, he was getting signed to go do TNA Impact, which I think was still called TNA at the time. Uh, and so they needed a new guy. And I was like, okay. So I drove, which was a four hour drive from Palm Springs to where they were shooting it. Cause they actually did it outside of Los Angeles to fight, despite being called championship wrestling from Hollywood. It was actually filmed quite a ways away from Hollywood, but um, typical television. But I went there and uh, they let me do a couple interviews in the back because the day that I went there happened to be their version of the Royal Rumble, which was their big show at the time, which they called the red carpet rumble. And I just kind of sat in the back. I kind of got a feel for it. And Dave Marquez, uh, who had a, a long background, not only in pro wrestling with the NWA and also uh, in broadcast, because he started the same way I did at some local station in the middle of nowhere. And he eventually snowballed that into a career of making all kinds of television. Uh, so he saw a lot in me at, from that perspective and he wanted that sort of voice. And so the next taping, they had me come out and they just sat me in the chair and you, there's no training. There's no warm up. There's no anything like that. We're rolling. Hit the, hit the roll. Hit it, just hit it rolling. You got to go. And so I sat there with Johnny LaQuasto and Johnny LaQuasto was doing play by play. And I don't know if any of your fans, you, you may recognize him because he was actually the voice of WWE's main event for a little while. Uh, he was doing, I think, 205 Live. He was doing the commentary for that. Um, and he since moved on to do all kinds of stuff. Now, you know, he was part of that major laying off that WWE did. So if you're interested, Johnny LaQuasto, it's all over. I think he called GCW. He's, he's, he's working all over, especially for your fans out there that are fans of wrestling and watching it on Fight TV. You're probably hearing him do commentary because he's all over the place. So and so that's how I kind of got into the broadcast side of it. That was the transition from wrestling to news to wrestling to news to wrestling and now full-time here uh with the nwa working from home working from home so i don't even have an office yet i'm in my i'm, I'm essentially just in this empty bedroom 
and I still need to buy a desk and I still need to buy like a ring light. This looks okay. I still need to get some things here. You know, my, my girlfriend painted this and I like to tell people I did just to make it look like I have some sort of artistic ability, but you know, it's just a little background. So it's all these things of like, you know, now that I'm full-time here and I'm in this office, it's like, I've got to start grinding and buying some things and making some things happen. So, but it's cool. I mean, it's a really, this, this is like the most, rewarding and challenging part of my life now is uh because there's just so much that you need to do behind the scenes i can't even tell you how much uh just in the conversation we've had how many emails have come through uh <laughs> that i'll have to get to after this but but it's cool yeah that's great joe thank you for uh that, that story there and um we ticked off a few of my questions through that. I guess we just we're, That's we're what on I the do. same wavelength. If you don't shut me up, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I, I will keep talking about wrestling in a minute, but I, I did a little bit of research on you uh, and found a few clips that I found to be entertaining, especially you on a ride called Turbo Force Extreme. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that seemed to really uh, get you going there. Um, and I feel like this is like what a roving reporter's job is all about is, is these crazy moments. So kind of something you might see in the movies, but you're doing it for real. Um, could you just tell me about that one particular moment before we, we go and talk about the wrestling? So growing up, you know, in Los Angeles, there's an, there's an amusement park there called Six Flags Magic Mountain. And there was a point in my life, young teenager time where, you know, you come in and you give them the Coke can and your one ticket's good for the whole year. I used to do roller coasters all the time. Like I love roller coasters, all about it. I could ride them over and over and over and over again. Uh, and then you grow up to be an adult and you stop riding roller coasters as much. But, um, uh, sorry, I got really distracted by that text message. All right, here we go. So I hadn't been on, an, a, on a big amusement park ride in a while, but I, I thought, hey, we're at, this, we're at the Riverside County Fair and this is when I'm working for KESQ, the Desert's News Leader which was the ABC, Fox, uh, CBS, Telemundo affiliate, because it's all, it was all the channels except for NBC. Um, and this was one of those opportunities. And what was great about working at KESQ is I got to do both things. Uh, there were times where we were exposing the city manager and the mayor for corruption. Uh, there was a big corruption case there and we, we broke a lot of uh, that story. There ended up people going to jail and things like that, which is great. But at the same time, I also got to do some fun things. And this was one of them where we're at the county fair. And this is, you know, this is pre-COVID and stuff. So everybody's just having a good time and whatnot. Um, and so I decide, you know what, we'll go live. And as soon as I start talking, they'll just hit the button. And we actually didn't know how it was going to work technically. Because, you know, I've got the wireless microphone, but I don't know how long. Because it's a tall ride. We didn't, weren't sure if it was going to work and how the receiver was going to go. And so I thought, oh, it'll be fine. I'll be on the ride. I'll probably oversell it. Just kind of make it fun. And then the ride starts. And I realized at that moment, oh, I'm old for this now. I don't like this feeling. This is awful. <laughs> and so um, the producer, who, uh, whose name is Air, who I believe works in Los Angeles now, uh, she decided to keep me. That was supposed to be like a 30-second hit. And she kept me on for like three minutes of just me suffering. <laughs> and even the camera guy, Dante, I remember, because he told me afterwards, because he's just following me as I'm screaming and trying not to swear. And I can't hear much because I've got my earpiece in, 
but you can, when you're in the, that scenario and you got the wind blow and I can't hear what they're saying, but I could hear Karen, our anchor laughing because it was <laughs> funny. And so I decided to just lean in on that. I'm like, stop laughing at me, Karen. And so that's what, like really pops at that moment. And so, uh, and then afterwards, like the ride stops and all this like adrenaline and everything's going through my body. And I can't, I can't hear anything. I can't hear any of that sort of stuff coming through my ear. And so I'm just like laughing and like trying to play it off. But as soon as I got off that thing, I felt like I was going to throw up. Like it was just like, this is not for me anymore. Uh, so it was a learning experience. And that's what I always like to do. I always like to go because, you know, there's something that I think a lot of people, you know, when you watch local news and I do it a lot because this is like my habit. I like to go to when, especially when we travel a lot, as you know, NWA is going to Knoxville. We're going back to Nashville. When I go there and I'm in the hotel room and I'm getting ready, I'll watch the local news programming. And nothing makes me more upset when I see a story that, you know, the reporter could have gotten more action in it. They could have shown you something. They could have done something. But they're really just, I'm here. This is this happening. This is the, the, the end. Like, go out there. Show something. Be a part of it. And, like, that's where I was able to really kind of make my bones in it was I was able to do that and take chances and take risks and and try things and a lot of stuff failed that one particularly went very well or perhaps it failed just kind of depends on how you look at things but uh that is that's one of my many viral moments that i had because i wasn't afraid to take risks and i think that also comes from pro wrestling you know if you're going to be involved in the sport of professional wrestling you have to be willing to take risks because you're getting into a car crash every time you hit the right every time you go training Every time somebody takes a punch, throws a punch at you, you know, it, it, there's a level of risk there that you're doing because you're passionate about something and because you're trying to entertain people. And so I just kind of took that and also put it into, into news. Excellent, excellent stuff. Um, and I know what you mean when you see somebody doing something that you that you do yourself and you, you know where they could have got more out of something. That's what I'm like with podcast interviews uh, uh, or shoot interviews I, I go oh man you, you could have branched off there and we could have got this bit of information but you kept mm -hmm. going with your line of questioning damn so I know what you mean mm -hmm. you always uh, have to listen like that's the thing I always tell people is and that's a, a real key thing for commentators too so anybody out there who is aspiring and they want to call the action is you're not just watching it you really have to listen especially for your broadcast partners and I have been so fortunate in my career to work with some amazing partners out there um, that are extremely talented, that are veterans in the sport of professional wrestling, um, from the, the team that we have now all the way back to when I was working, you know, with Giant Laclasto at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. That entire time, the vast majority of the people that I worked with were, were fantastic to work with, but you have to work with each other. And part of that is listening. You can't just be reacting you can't have a set thing of you can't write it out you have to have this conversation it has to flow and so you have to be attentive and so that's what's super important is you have to be attentive to not only what you're seeing but also what you're hearing and being able to keep that story going so that's my one piece of advice for all of you aspiring wrestling commentators out there like let's let, make sure you're, you're you're listening as much as you're watching Absolutely, bro. I, I've done it a few times myself, not that many times, but a few times. And I have to say, it is not easy. I have to say that because um, the first time I did a solo thing at a market show for a local wrestling company, it was about 14 matches throughout the whole day. 
Um, didn't do too bad, I felt. But then the next one I did, I just froze up. You know, I was doing it with someone else who was play by play. I just just couldn't think of anything to say. It's difficult. It's difficult. And I'm it is. Kind of it is. Especially <laughs> if you, you got to also find your, your lane with it as well, because hmm. you're, you're speaking from a character yourself. Because if you're sitting there and you're going to do the color side of it and you're going to do the analysis and you're going to, you know, be the, the entertaining, you're going to be that extra flavor. I mean, you're going to have your the person who's doing the play by play is the meat and potatoes, whereas your color person has got to be all the seasoning. It's that that's where all the flavors got to come. That's where all the analysis has got to come. And so that's, and, and that's not easy, especially if it's, you know, it, it, it really does help. And there's a reason why you see it, why color commentators, some of the best ones are people who have worked as wrestlers. It's because you're able to understand what's happening and you can talk about it and you can put in your personal experiences and pepper that into it. You know, a good example would be Corey Graves. Corey Graves, fantastic color commentator, and uh, he he's found that voice, he has found that niche, and that's why he's sitting at the Raw desk. When you when you look at him, especially at the time when they brought him up to Raw, I don't think a lot of people would have Vince McMahon would have seen him as a broadcaster. He's all covered in tattoos. He looks like a punk or something like that. But he was so good. I think the higher ups at WWE were able to look past that and see the value that he has there. So. That's that's sort of the idea is you could you could get yourself really good at the different aspects of it. Uh, I would have to say that I absolutely love doing color commentary because I don't have to do as much homework. There's a lot of homework that comes with doing commentary. You got to make sure you know the name of their finisher. You got to make sure you know their back history. You got to make sure you know all their different titles. You have to know the story that you're trying to tell the, the feud that they're having at the moment. Uh, you got to know when to toss to break. You got to know when to open the door for other people who are sitting at the desk. There's a lot of traffic cop thing in there. Whereas in your color, you just get to listen and you get to react and you get to have more fun with it. And so like I've had a few opportunities where I've gotten to do color. Uh, most recently was with Thunder Rosa's promotion, Mission Pro Wrestling. And I got to do color at, at a brewery show where it was the middle of summer and it was super hot, and I had one too many beers, but I have to say, it was fantastic for me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, bro. Um, I wanted to <clears throat> bring it up a little bit of NWA talk now. Uh, just wanted to know the story of how you, you landed the gig with the NWA, uh, and, and tell me a little bit about uh, meeting your uh, new boss, Billy Corgan, for the first time. You know, it's really interesting, because, you know, Billy had bought the brand, and Tim Storm was the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. And they were trying to find a way to, to really kickstart that feud with him and Nick Aldis. And Billy, who people may know, had a long history and relationship with Impact and TNA, and it was tumultuous, to say the least. Um, so he wanted to find a new venue, but he also wanted to make sure that it looked professional. And so he decided, let's start this series, which they called the 10 Pounds of Gold, uh, which was on YouTube. And they decided, let's go to Championship Wrestling from Hollywood because Dave Marquez is there. He's got this TV show. It'll look professional and it'll be good to tie in with what they're making as far as the content for that. And so uh, Billy Corgan came in and, you know, everybody's kind of like, oh, wow, there's big rock stars here. Um, and I guess there's a, there's a part of me, I don't really get starstruck. There's like, I don't have that in my 
my gene and my brain. I'm sure there's other parts of me that are dead too, which is a real detriment. <laughs> but like, so it was just like, oh, that's cool. He's here. And, you know, I've always been a fan of the Smashing Pumpkins. Growing up in Los Angeles, uh, there's a radio station called 106.7 KROQ. And uh, K-Rock was known for playing all the big alternative stuff and actually really uh, launching careers for some of the biggest, you know, bands of that time, whether it was the Smashing Pumpkins or Foo Fighters or Sum 41 or Blink-182 or, you know, all of those sort of alternative music that was out there. So I was used to hearing it, you know, I, I, I grew up hearing that stuff. And so I'm calling the matches and it's, I think the first match that I called for Billy Corgan and his partner at the time was Tim Storm versus Zicky Dice. And it was just a squash match. I called it. And after the show, I got pulled into a hallway with Billy Corgan and his partner at the time. And they said, Hey, we're really launching this NWA thing. And we're taking it very seriously. It's going to be a lot bigger than just these clips that we're posting on YouTube. We want you along for the road. We want you to be our commentator. And I said, sure. I just agreed to it. And it's like, yeah, because you hear a lot of promises in TV mm. all the time. You know, this is going to be this way. This is going to be that way. Uh, but when Billy Corgan says something, he means it. And he was motivated, is motivated. And we can see that now. Uh, and that was, you know, I, you'd have to go back in the, the history books here. I'm, I'm the worst when it comes to wrestling dates. There's a lot of people out there that know this date, this date, mm. this championship, this change. But if you go right to where Tim Storm's champion and then Nick Aldis takes the title from him, that's where I started to work for Billy. And then he decided, you know, we're going to start doing these big shows. And so he brought me on to do, you know, the 70th anniversary show. And I was sitting there with Jim Cornette and Tony Schiavone and calling the action for this. And then the Crockett Cup that we brought back. And I'm sitting there with Ian Riccoboni, who's fantastic, and also Jim at the time. And, and it was these big shows. Like, we didn't have power yet. So we had these big shows. And then eventually, you know, we launched power. We were going out to the GPB studios. And, like, that's when it... You know, that the big shows are like when it felt like super cool and super rock star and super real. But then when we started doing these tapings and we're making essentially television, which was airing on YouTube at the time, but it was it was huge success and people were love seeing it. They loved seeing the characters that we had. They loved the grit. They loved that it was different. They loved that we had something that was so different than what they were seeing on WWE and, you know, that all elite was in its infancy at the time and was just kind of starting to get the ball rolling with what they had. So we were this great sort of alternative for people that I think just drew people to this brand and then drew it back to the brand. The people who grew up in the South and they're watching Georgia championship wrestling, you know, at six Oh five on Tuesday, you know, people who are watching Jim Crockett promotions and things like that. And they kind of, that, when that went away with WCW, those fans decided, well, this isn't for me anymore. And so when we brought it back, I think it started to bring those people in. And you could see that in our social media. I feel a lot when you see a lot of the conversations that are happening on Twitter, it's not just your, your standard wrestling fan, like you or I, who wears a wrestling shirt every day. Uh, it's a lot of like older folks that are professionals and doctors and dentists and police officers and retired people. And they're coming out to our shows because they remembered what that was like. They remembered seeing the Rock and Roll Express. They remembered in their prime, which they could still do now, technically. But like they remembered all that, and they like that we're bringing that back. They like the style that we have, and they like that our wrestling is gritty. It is Smash Mouth. It is this is what 
the wrestling is supposed to be. And I think people really appreciate that. And that's why we've gotten so much success that we have now. And that's why we're continuing to build on that success with like our pay-per-views that are coming up, such as Always Ready, uh, which once again, I'm sure is going to be a little early in the day for you, you folks in Australia. But, you know, uh, when we have that pay-per-view come out and we have our, our next set of tapings and the momentum that we're going to keep going and keep going, because, you know, we celebrated our 73rd anniversary, you know, we got 74 and I, I, I'm really looking forward to 75. I mean, I think that's the diamond anniversary. I want to see what we can, what we can do, what we can put together, the type of card, because I think that's going to bring a lot to us. Um, and I don't, and you know, it's, I think what's going to be great and you'll probably uh, in the coming weeks and in the coming months, you'll see some pretty big major announcements for different cities in the United States, which we'll be traveling to. Um, and then, you know, we hear this all the time, especially folks like yourself, and believe me, we want to travel as much as the next person. Uh, the pandemic really threw a wrench in all that. But I think, you know, before all that, there were a lot of plans for us to hold shows internationally, you know, places like Mexico City, maybe places like Australia, London, you know, a, a lot of our talent is starting to travel back to Europe. And I'm, I'd like to think that that's going to start opening the door for us to start considering working major shows outside of particularly the, the East Coast and the South, but really a whole United States and then like the whole world in general. So that's going to be, I, I see some really big things happening. And then uh, hopefully we're coming to a neighborhood near you. <laughs> Excellent, Joe. Um, uh, you know, as I told you before, we, we started reviewing all the pay-per-views on our channel, uh, NWA 73, Hard Times 2, the Crockett Cup. We loved the Crockett Cup. I'm telling you, that was a very, very fun um, experience for us. Um, do, have you had a favorite moment over the last few years uh, of, of, of uh, witnessing this great product taking place? A favorite moment. There are so many. It's really, really, really hard to call what my favorite moment would be. Um, up there was being able to call the recently, of recent memory, is he being able to call the Briscoes winning the Crockett Cup? Uh, not only because it, they deserve it um, as you know one of the, if not the best tag team walking planet Earth right now, but I could feel in the moment that that was also something that was so important to Mark and Jay as being tag team wrestlers their entire lives and to win something that, you know, without the NWA wouldn't exist or I don't think anybody would be doing the Crockett Cup. So for them to be able to win it and for me to be able to call that match when they finally do win it, uh, I think that that was an amazing thing. And that's a real highlight for me, just being able to, see that's the thing is like, there's certain moments in the NWA and in professional wrestling that certain people will remember for the rest of their lives as one of the, if not the greatest thing that they've ever done. And that could be something as far as some guy who maybe never made it to a main event guy, maybe never made it to being a champion anywhere, but maybe they had a really great match on NWA and they're sort of a lower mid card guy. And I got to call that match. So there's a portion of that person, that person, that thing that they were going to hold on to as this was a great moment in my life. I got to be a part of that. I got to call the action for that. And so like, I think that that's really cool is there's, you know, all these people out there, you know, people who are diehard Matt Cardona fans out there 
and for me to be able to call when he won the championship in Oak Grove, um, you know, it, it, it really does. I, I like that. I'm a part of that little bit of that memory that they have of it. And then they can go back and rewatch it and they're hearing my voice with it. And so like, I, I don't really internalize it too much. Uh, but you know, there's a few things that, that maybe stick out every once in a while. You know, what's really nice is like, you know, you see it on your Facebook feed, like the memories, like this happened this day. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was really cool. Like, and like that sort of thing. It's like, that's what will bring it back. Uh, and then also kind of selfishly, you know, I, I said before that I don't really get starstruck at all, but I do have to say at the Crockett Cup, I got to meet Ric Flair um, and that was a delightful treat to shake hands and talk to him for a few minutes. Um, and I have to say that that was, that was, you know, that's a moment where I was like, oh, my heart's like, this is something like it's between like that. And then like the one time I interviewed Steven Spielberg when I was working at Palm Springs, like right. those are like, oh my God, I'm meeting this person. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> so those are like the two real big things. Like, oh, this is for real. Um, this is dope. So <laughs> you know that sort of the things and you know there's there's all kinds of stuff too you know um and it's it's not just in the nwa it's like so many of the other little things that have happened along the way all the way back to the outlaw mud show stuff i was doing to championship wrestling from hollywood to championship wrestling from arizona which we did for a while to all kinds of other stuff so like there's there's a lot of little moments out there and i i like to just get reminded of them every once in a while yeah, that's really cool. And uh, I have to say that there seems to be so many tag team tournaments going on in the world of pro wrestling right now. I don't like a tournament that, uh, you know, the, just the finals happen to be uh, on like a, on a special or a pay-per-view. I like the fact that it was like the teams had to go through multiple matches or multiple days. It made it seem more special as far as I was concerned. I just wanted to throw that at you because um, I was just so impressed with the Crockett Cup this year. No, I, I appreciate that. And you're right. There's so many different things. To, and, you know, it from a booking perspective, if you're if you're taking a step back and you're looking what the other corporations are doing and they're stretching out tournaments and they're making things last, you know, over multiple weeks, this is how it's going to break down and all this sort of stuff. It makes sense because those particular places are so hungry for content, as we are as well with two shows with the NWA but you've got longer programs with WWE, you've got several programs with AEW. And so I understand where they want to go ahead and like, let's not put it all in one basket, let's stretch it out so that we can kind of get people along the way and we don't run out of ideas or we don't run out of whatever. And so like they really, I see why they do it, but that's also another reason why we want to do things differently on our side. Yeah. Because, you know, every, we're never going to be able to compete with WWE. We can't drive in their lane. We have to pick our own lane. And that's where we're going to succeed. And we're going to start pulling a lot of people that not only are fans of wrestling, but are also people who maybe gave up on wrestling. Or maybe we're never fans of wrestling. And we can start pulling them in to something that's different. Because anybody can go and watch Raw and see stuff and decide that this is dumb and I don't want to look at this anymore. But if we could start pulling them into what wrestling is supposed to be or what we believe wrestling is supposed to be, we can build on that and get a large fan base and have our own lane that's going to be a much more refined, a much more gritty, a much more uh, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's different. And in my opinion, it's better. And I think in a lot of other people's opinion, it's better. And so I think that that's the lane that we're in and we are full throttle, 200 kilometers an hour. See, I did the change there for you because I know you guys don't do miles. See, I don't know. yeah, that's why I pay me the big bucks. And we're, we're going at it. And, and I think we're, the sky's the limit for us at this point. Yeah, I think it's a good way of going about it too. And, uh, you know, I've been just impressed with everything I've seen over the last year or so. Um, one, another question I had, what would you say to those fans out there of pro wrestling that still haven't given the NWA a chance? Maybe want some of those jaded fans out there that are starting to dwindle with their interest in pro wrestling. What would you say to them to, to pull them in? Um, one, I would say, give us a chance because it's never been easier to see our product. You know, there's a lot of people out there and I'm sure you're one of them where you're part of NWA all access, $50 for the year gets you all of our pay-per-views first run of all of our programs. But I understand that people might not want to do that right out the gate. You know, nobody wants to spend $50 on something they're not sure about, which is great because we're putting a lot of our content on YouTube. And so I would encourage people to go to the nwa youtube channel and just watch an episode of nwa power or an episode of nwa usa and i won't tell you a particular episode to watch or look for a particular match because i have so much faith in every one of those episodes and in every one of those matches that i think that that's going to be a great representation of what we offer of what we do the style we do things the the studio wrestling atmosphere that we have and I think that they're really going to enjoy it. I think they're really going to like it, especially for people who loved wrestling and fell out, no longer a fan. I think we could get you back into loving the sport of professional wrestling again. And also for people out there, you know, we as much as I mentioned, you know, it's great talking to the older folks out there that saw the Von Erichs wrestle. It's also really great to see the kids out there, like the young kids out there, like, that are really into our product as well. I'll remember this. I will, I will never forget this moment. This is actually one thing that really burned into my brain. I'm, I'm glad. See, it's little things. You're helping me remember these ones here. This is, I, I love this. Uh, you may remember for the, from the Crockett Cup uh, that uh, Strictly Business did not fare well. Uh, I believe they were eliminated rather early. Right behind us at the commentary booth, there was this girl who couldn't have been more than 11 years old. Adorable little girl. And she's wearing her NWA t-shirt. And I, you could tell from her energy that she wasn't coming along with her parents to the show. She's the one who brought her parents. You know, she was the fan. And she was the biggest Tom Latimer fan I have ever seen. And that includes Camille. And so when <laughs> they lost, this little 11-year-old girl who's right behind my shoulder just screams, oh, this is bullshit. And like, oh, my God. <laughs> This little girl who probably has never sworn in front of her parents before has just been overcome with emotion and just is swearing like a sailor. And she was so <laughs> mad that Tom Latimer lost because she just loved Tom. And like, as they're walking back, I looked at her, I looked at them, I looked back at her and she started to cry. Oh, and I was man. like, wow, like that is the type of fan that we want. That's the type of fan that we, I think we can get. A, a million times over, a million times over with the quality of the wrestlers that we have. 
uh, whether that's Tom Latimer or Chris Adonis or the Pope or Trevor Murdoch or Nick Aldis or Matt Cardona, it doesn't matter. We've got all of these great, great wrestlers, these incredible athletes that people could see with us in the NWA in this incredible environment that we built. And it's really just, it's a smorgasbord of entertainment for wrestling fans. Excellent stuff. That was a great story, bro. Um, uh, another thing, we're getting to the tail end here, Joe. We're getting very close to the end. Uh, but one thing I want to ask you about was your new team that you got going there, yourself, Mr. Tim Storm, and, of course, Velvet Sky. How difficult has it been transitioning to a three-person team? Um, because for me, I, 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 every time I see three uh, work together, I think to myself, how do, how do they know when it's time for them to talk and not talk over each other? They seem to do a pretty good job with it. I just wanted to know how, how it was for you transitioning to a three-person uh, booth. Well, what's good for me is I had a lot of experience with it um, because even though the majority of the time at, you know, when I very first started calling matches in Hollywood, it was me and Johnny LaCosto, but there were times where we'd bring in that third color commentator, whether it would be uh, Dan Joseph or Stu Stone or... And there was a long list of people who would come in and, and be featured in that third wheel spot. And so it helps that people just kind of know their role and where they need to be. I mean, and I think that we do that exceedingly well with our current broadcast team with Velvet and Tim. So, I mean, Velvet is like the heart and soul of this team. She has so much emotion. She has so much passion and she wears it on her sleeve. You know, she, she's not afraid to tell you how she really feels. And, you know, I'm the broadcaster. I'm supposed to be calling it down the middle. I can't be emotionally invested, but she can. And she could be mad at Matt Cardona and she could be upset with Matt Cardona and all the things that he said about the NWA. She takes that to heart and she can let that out. And I think that's an important voice that I don't think a lot of people get to hear in professional wrestling. And Tim Storm, he's a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. He's been in this business for a very, very, very long time. And I don't think there's very many people out there that know the sport of professional wrestling better than Tim. And so having him there and being able to analyze from that perspective and being able to tell you why that particular strategy or particular form of offense is working or not working, or to be able to continue to convey things like that. And also to be able to have the history because he has so much history with so much of our talent in the National Wrestling Alliance, you have to keep in mind, like Jax Dane, our national champion, he was the world heavyweight champion until Tim Storm beat him. And so every time we get to have a match with Jax Dane, Tim Storm could tell you a lot about what Jax Dane's offense is like because he's been there with him and he's wrestled it and he's wrestled Nick Aldis. And, you know, he's wrestled all of these people. He's wrestled Mike Knox and he has all these experience with a lot of our big heavyweight guys. And that's going to give you this great perspective. Now, there are times where we're, it's not perfect. And we do talk over each other, especially in the moments that are very, very, there's so much happening. There's so much going on and we're reacting to so much. Uh, but, you know, it's, and this is the other key point that I'm going to bring it back to what I was saying before is, is listening. And I can kind of feel when they're going to be saying, there's, there's a, there's a thing that you could just kind of see it out of the corner of your eye. There's a, a sixth sense about it. Even like there might be a tell, like, you know, like, like Velvet will be sitting there with her hands and then all of a sudden her hands on the desk. Okay. She's getting ready to say something. Right. And that she hasn't told me like, Hey, when I put the hand on the desk, that's when I want to talk, but you could just feel it. You know, yeah. you could feel it in that conversation. 
And it's like, okay, and you, you, you'll open the door for it. And then also you could do it. You'd be like, um, for example, oh, here comes Jax Dane. Oh, he's got his hands on the belt. Tim, do you think he's going to use it as a weapon? And it opens the door for Tim to be like, yeah, well, when I wrestled him in you know, uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, he hit me with a, a brick and blah, blah, blah. And it gives you an idea and it, you can open the door. And it helps to pass it back and forth. And it helps to have that conversation. And so, and that's, and actually, that's some of the parts that I love about what we're doing in, in the sport of wrestling is sometimes Velvet and Tim will be having a passionate conversation or maybe even an argument between the two of them. And I get to kind of just sit back there and <laughs> like, I'll, I'll wait for the out. And I'm like, okay, now I need to turn our attention back to something else, or we need to go to break, or we need to do something like that. So I give them the moment. Um, and then, and then on the flip side, when we have, when Tim's not there and we have Austin Idol, it's a whole different ball game. Now I'm trying, now I'm trying to, to, to wrestle a tiger with one arm behind my back. Like this is a lot. You're really riding lightning when you're doing broadcasts with, with Austin Idol, which is fun and it's entertaining and he's going to have his perspective, which is not most people's perspectives, but you know, you also have a guy who was the, the first ever television champion for the NWA and he has, he, we, I was recently on, an, on another podcast where we're showing pictures of Austin Idol in his prime and go to Google image search Austin Idol, you know, back in the territory days and the guy's super jacked and he looks like party looks like the star and he still is that star so it's great to have that star and that component there, but it's so much different than when you're working with Tim. And it's so much different than you're working with Cornette or it's so much different than Giovanni or Riccoboni. It's just all these different things in there. And it, it's really been a blessing. And also to try to kind of work my way through it. And so there's a lot of professional wrestlers out there that have trouble in that seat being doing color commentary because they feel, you know, it's not something that they're used to doing. But I think I've had enough experience where I can I can help them and I can pull stuff out of anybody and we can start having that conversation and get people into it. And then as long as you're passionate about being there, we can, we can make this work. Excellent, bro. Excellent. Um, I wanted to give this uh, point of the interview uh, a chance for you to plug anything that you'd like to plug the upcoming NWA pay-per-view. Uh, the floor is yours, my friend. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to follow the National Wrestling Alliance on our socials. Just search NWA. Uh, that's going to have all the information for all of our pay-per-views that are coming out. Uh, June 11th, we're going to Knoxville uh, for our NWA pay-per-view there called Always Ready, which uh, has been named and themed around our NWA World's Heavyweight Champion at his demand and not his request, at his demand. Uh, so that will be it's going to be a great show. I'll tell you that much there. Um, so, but definitely you're really showing, it really shows the power that Matt Cardona, what the, the NWA, when you're the champion, you get swing and he's swinging with all, all those weights behind it. Uh, we also have NWA power, which is airs Tuesdays on fight TV re airs Fridays on YouTube. And then we also have NWA USA, which airs Saturdays at noon Eastern. I'm not going to do the time conversion there because I'm sure it's okay. way off. But <laughs> if you if you go to our YouTube channel and you subscribe, you'll be able to see all this great content that's coming forward. Uh, NWA All Access for 50 bucks. You're going to get all of our pay-per-views. And also, um, I also want to plug the, our, our shop and nationalwrestlingalliance.com slash shop. Uh, we have tons of really cool merchandise that's coming out. Uh, a lot of stuff that's very specific for the always ready pay-per-view. There's also uh, a lot of new designs that are coming out and some of it's retro, some of it's newer, 
we've got all kinds of different apparel and stuff that's like it's cool it's really cool stuff that we're making uh so i want to encourage people that if you're passionate about the nwa uh show it you know wear a t-shirt wear a hat and you know and, and help help share the brand with people and bring it up with you because i'll wear this shirt out you know for the folks that are watching you know this this is our our background logo it has been for a little while and people look at it and they ask me about it. I'm like, hey, that's got kind of a 70s feel for it. I'm like, well, that's it's, it's interesting you bring it up. And we, you talk about it. You talk about wrestling. And I think that that's the biggest thing that maybe we're missing in, in the sport of professional wrestling. An awful lot of people tweeting about it. But having a conversation with somebody about it, I think, is so much better. And I can get people to win. I can win over people at the NWA one conversation at a time with people who are into wrestling, not into wrestling were into wrestling or could be into wrestling or kids kids that maybe not know not have been exposed to it yet you know it's it's i'm passionate about it i know the product we make it's great and uh so i just encourage people to follow that you can also follow me on my socials uh joe galley news on twitter which i would like to change maybe to joe galley nwa but it's there it's fine i still i still do news i'll bring you breaking news about the nwa see it still works you can find me on Facebook, Snapchat, all those sorts of things that are there too. So that's what I would plug right now. So, uh, but by all means, for you folks that are out in Australia or anywhere around the world, if you haven't had an opportunity to see what we have to offer, go to our YouTube channel, watch one episode, watch two episodes, and, and you'll be hooked. Excellent, Joe. And, and all of those things that Joe just mentioned in the description on YouTube when this comes out, everybody, just write down there. It's not hard to find, just write down there. Um, right, Joe, uh, I've got one final segment that I always end my interviews with. I didn't tell you about it beforehand, but I think you'll be fine. It's called Five like Second it. Frenzy. You've got five seconds to answer each question. It's just about your favorite this, your favorite that. And if you break the five second rule, I've said it for 120 interviews now, you won't get in trouble. There's nothing I can do about it. So here we go. Joe Galley, favorite professional wrestler of all time. Uh, <laughs> uh, do, would you have a favorite uh, broadcast colleague uh, of all time? Oh, now you're going to make me choose between Tim and Velvet. So I'm going to go with Tim and Velvet or Kyle. Kyle's great too. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, if there's one match from your time in, in professional wrestling that you would say is the favorite match that you contest you've ever witnessed, what would it be? Uh, let's just go with the, the Briscoes winning the Crockett Cup. Excellent. Uh, getting away from pro wrestling now, favorite book? Ooh. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Excellent. Uh, favorite TV show? Power. Sorry, what was but that? Aside from that, if you NWA Power, <laughs> oh. uh, that's an obvious choice. But if you were to actually talk about like TV shows, TV shows, right now I'm really into watching Chopped. I don't know why, but it's really, <laughs> I've gotten really addicted to Chopped, even though it's been around forever. I've just started like getting into it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, favorite film? Ooh, that's good question uh i'll be i'll let the kid in me answer and say jurassic park that's what the kid in me says that's a great answer uh favorite musical artist or band the smashing pumpkins are you crazy i can't what other option do i have to say i have to say the smashing what if billy sees this come on dude you're trying to set me up for failure also i will have to say this smashing pumpkins is definitely number one 
Uh, I'm close number two, just because I just saw him in concert. And if you ever get the chance to do so, I hope he tours internationally for you folks. John Mayer kills it in concert. Fantastic guitarist. Girlfriend wanted to go, bought tickets. I was like, yeah, he's great. I see his music. I know his hits. We went there, blew me away. John Mayer is also great in concert. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we've only, I think, uh, five to go now, Joe. Uh, getting away mm -hmm. from the arts now. Favorite food? Uh, if we're going to get really, really specific, I would say huevos rancheros. You guys have that in Australia? Mexican food, right? We do, we do, of course, yes. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. So huevos rancheros. I love a good Mexican breakfast. Lovely. Uh, favorite place to eat on the road? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is always solid. Uh, and I could also do Chipotle. And uh, for those of you who are watching and happen to be in Texas, Bucky's is the place to be. It's the best gas station food you'll ever get. Wonderful. Wonderful. You guys have so many different things over there. We've got like 10 things. We do. Now. You got this plethora of things. Well, that's that that's a good thing and a bad thing. We also have a lot more diabetes out here. Uh, okay, the next one is favorite alcoholic beverage. But Joe, if you don't drink, just your favorite beverage in general. Single malt scotch is kind of my go-to for that. Uh, you could do uh, Glen Fittich, Glen Morangi. Uh, but I won't turn my nose up to a blended scotch like Doors White Label's fine. Um, so I think that that would kind of be it as far as that. And also coffee. I probably drink more coffee than I do anything else. So Excellent, excellent. Uh, scotch, definitely something a suave man would pick. Mm -hmm. uh, second last one here, Joe. Uh, favorite female body part? You see a good-looking lady? <laughs> Any part? I, I'm not just talking. About, now you're really trying to get me in trouble. I'm not just talking about the naughty ones, bro. Anything? We what is the back. one part that you uh, look to first? Let me, let me say this. Let me let me let me bring it back to favorite food. Maybe I would say peaches. Maybe that would be the thing there. There, but um, you know what's interesting? And here, this is gonna take more than five seconds. And maybe this <laughs> is it. There's a. Um, I when I grew up, growing up, my mother uh, was a manicure. She did nails. And so that's something I always look at just because I think I grew up, you know, when I wasn't with my dad on a construction site, I was with my mom in a nail salon. So I right. always look at, at women's nails and it, it doesn't, it's not bad, but I try to talk people into like, if they bite their nails and like, don't, don't do that anymore. Please don't do that. So like, that's sort of like, that's a, that's a, I guess a pet peeve, I guess you could call it. Right. That's a very interesting answer. I haven't had that one before, so I, I like it. Do everyone uh, just say boobs? Everyone else oh, we get boobs, boobs right? a lot. We get the butt a lot. But some <laughs> people say the brain, the eyes. Uh, uh, my favorite one, though, was Nikita Koloff saying he, he liked the shape of a woman. I thought that was a classy answer. <laughs> I want the whole thing. He doesn't <laughs> want a piece. Wants, that's a very Nikita answer. <laughs> uh, and the last one, Joe, uh, favorite curse word. motherfucker comes up a lot i think that that's probably there probably that i would go with that you know uh yeah yeah i'll go with motherfucker <laughs> excellent well joe galley i want to thank you so much for your time uh here this morning for you this evening for me uh it's been really fun having the chance to get to know you your journey in pro wrestling uh get to just feel that passion from you know the other side of the of the world through the camera here through my computer screen uh it really is uh just you, you remind me of me 
uh, the, the way that we feel about <laughs> pro wrestling. So um, again, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you all out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm California. This is Joe Galley, and we will see you down the road. Thank you. Network, that's the way we play. Network, that's the way we play. Get puppies. Network, that's the way we play. All has been paid for by the WZWA Network.